Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. We'd be more than glad to see that you get a copy. This has been on my mind for a while, and when Pastor asked me if I would uh, teach tonight, I just took advantage of what was already on my mind. And uh, you see, I didn't have to do a whole lot of studying. I've already got my book here. It's <laughs> so so. Just open my book, and here it is. Here it is. But anyway, we're glad. Thank you for allowing us to spend some time with you here this evening. The book of Galatians is it's not a very large book, but it's a big, big book. It's a very uh, interesting and powerful, yes, book. Uh, the more we read it, the more it becomes interesting, if you will. The uh, book of Revelation, the book of Galatians, excuse me, the book of Galatians, we are introduced in this book on page six here, Roman numeral six. We are introduced to a group that were referred to as Judaizers. The main purpose of Paul's letter to these churches was to allay the false teachings that had infiltrated these churches by what was called Judaizers. They were a group of Jewish Christians, quote-unquote Christians, who were not willing to accept the teaching of the apostles concerning certain customs held by the Jews, mainly the act of circumcision. If you recall in Acts chapter 15, they had a general conference. When the Gentiles first were added to the church, it upset a lot of the uh, Jews that were in the church, and they were demanding that all the Gentiles had to be circumcised if they were going to be in fellowship. But anyway, one of the things that uh, they were teaching was the act of circumcision, as well as the keeping of certain laws. They insisted that the Christians must abide by the teaching of the Jews, that the Gentile Christians must become Jewish, if you will, in their observance of certain traditions. And consequently here, the, uh, the uh, Jews who had been born again who had been become a part of the church, these Judaizers were trying to pull them back in under the restrictions and rules and regulations, if you will, of the Jewish religion. In fact, Paul in this book refers to the past uh, law and the religion of the Jews. He referred to it as the Jews' religion, and that's what it was. In, uh, in page number one, 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 uh, not uh, Roman numeral. The Bible, Paul begins this letter uh, in verse two, and all the brethren which are with me, 
unto the churches of Galatia. Now, this becomes uniquely different uh, than any of the other letters that Paul wrote to churches. Like Corinth, he'll, he'll say unto the church at Corinth. Ephesus, unto the church at Ephesus. In the Colossians epistle, unto the church at, in Colossae. So Paul, he, he's directed his attention not to a church, but churches, not in a particular city. Again, uh, I, don't, I don't know that there was such a place called uh, Galatia city-wise. But this was a province. This was an area. This is like a, a country, if you will. The churches are province in Galatia. So it's a whole body of churches. I don't know how many there were. Paul did not enumerate. But it's interesting that uh, Paul directs his uh, words, his epistle to these churches. And his, he gets right started real quick, like in verse 6, when he writes why he is writing to these churches. In verse uh, 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. I marvel, I'm, I'm puzzled, I wonder. To the mind of Paul, he conveys to these churches that he's heard things concerning them that he just didn't understand. How can you be born again and yet you want to revert back to the pigsty out of which you were delivered and want to go root with the pigs again? So he is filled with confusion how anyone could take these actions to go back to where the Lord had delivered them from. And this, this complete letter uh, that uh, Paul writes to these churches is based upon the interesting and probing question of the apostles. How can you? How can you? I'm, I'm, I'm marveled. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm filled with questions as to how you are so soon removed and how soon, I don't know. Again, he doesn't stipulate how long they had been in the church, how long it had been since they had baptized and filled with the Spirit. But the entire letter, letter that he's writing is based upon this probing and inform, in question. How could just a person, not just one church, but the churches, right. churches of Galatia would be so easily persuaded to leave the truth that they had been taught. And this also raises to me an issue, and I noted here in, in uh, the bottom or the ending of uh, the second paragraph here, that uh, how could an entire group of churches do this? And obviously they have been taught thoroughly because Paul was their teacher. He is the one that established this church. Now, when I read this and began to think about this, I, I got to thinking like, an entire group, like the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how many churches there are, but let's just suppose we have a general conference and all the preachers show up, which they don't usually do, but all the preachers show up and we have somebody that writes a st silly, stupid resolution. We're going to quit baptizing in Jesus' name. We're going to start baptizing some other way or what any kind of silly thing. And in the whole organization, we, we take a vote, and we all vote, we're going to go this route. Right. 
that's, that's the idea, at least that's what's in my mind here. Or any other group, be it UPC, ALJC, XYZ, or whatever, that would go to some other, uh, make some kind of a change. The Assemblies of God, you know, they met. Uh, when this wonderful experience of the Holy Ghost baptism, the name of Jesus Christ, uh, the first we hear of is in Topeka, Kansas. Then we hear about Azusa Street, and it began to spread. So I don't want to say like wildfire because it wasn't wild. It was wonderful. But anyway, it spread throughout the country. And in fact, one of the main organizers of the Assemblies of God was baptized in Jesus' name, had been filled with the Holy Ghost, but I don't know, he wasn't, uh, didn't have enough friends, I guess. So they met in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I think it was 1914 or something like that, 1916. I don't remember exactly what year. But they met there and they formed the Assemblies of God a whole group, and they came together and formed this church. But previously, some of them had been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, and others as well. You remember, some of you, well, I don't know. Y'all not very old, are you? But I just had a birthday. But I can remember reading about it here, and I've, I've seen some of these assemblies of God in, in their churches uh, speaking in tongues and shouting and their women falling, their hair falling down and everything because they had long hair back in those days, and they didn't have ear bobblers and other things like that. But I can remember reading about and knowing about the Methodist church. They, call, they called it falling out in trances. They would get under the influence of the Spirit and rejoice and shout, and they'd fall out, and they call it a trance. They'd fall out in a trance, lay in the aisle, whatever, for a period of time. What's happened to Mr. Wesley and his message? What's happened to Charles and John that formed the Methodist church, and yet it's changed as an entirety almost? What does somebody tell me what Ephesians 4 and 5 says? It's not in your notes. Somebody, you just call, Brother Mike? Well, he's not paying attention. I don't, he's occupied. Woo, see, I knew it. I knew it. I'll just give you time. It, it, you're like me. You're getting older. It takes longer to think. But Paul said there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And he didn't stop there. He went in verse 6 at one God, Father of all. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul said, I marvel you're so soon removed from him that called in the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And, but then the next verse he said, which is not another. Which is not another. What about that group? Some, uh, they're still around, but back a few years ago, we had a tremendous uh, group of people that stepped out of the apostolic arena they didn't think they did but i know they did because uh, of our, our our teachings because of our standards because of holiness standards and and so on and emphasizing jesus name baptism there was a whole group that started their own uh, organization or uh, groups that call them charismatics Cruismatics, they formed their own. But Paul said, there's not another. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's not two baptisms. There's not two lords. There's not two faiths. There's one faith, one faith. 
Not another, not another. There's no such thing as a different gospel. No concerning salvation. I know the word gospel means good news. And I, you know, if I get, uh, what is it that's giving money away? If I get them to come knock on my door today and say, you just won $100,000, that's good news. But I'm talking about the gospel good news. I'm talking about Bible good news. I'm talking about salvation. And when it comes to salvation, there is only one good news. There's only one gospel. In fact, in this book of Galatians, Paul uses the word gospel 11 times. 11 times in this, what is it, six chapters long? But anyway... Down at the bottom of page four, I says, there is but one plan of salvation. While many uh, religious religions preach their own version of salvation, only one plan is right. Amen. People who are drawn from the true plan are putting their trust in something that is altered. There is some, there be some that trouble you, Paul said, and would pervert the gospel would pervert, would change, would uh, change it to their own idea. I was looking for another word here, but these were the Judaizers, the legalists. You need to come back. We need to go through circumcision. We need to go through the, the various traditions of the Jews. Need to return to the legalistic traditions of observing laws and customs. To them, there was nothing to be saved from. After all, they were children of Abraham. The religious crowd today tells us all religions are right. There's, you can't find a sinner today. You know, I've heard that said or something to that effect. Because everybody's, everybody's saved. Everybody's saved. In verse 8, Paul wrote, but listen to this. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Folks, that's strong language. That is strong language. Paul has said, I've taught you the truth, and what I've taught you is the truth. And there is nothing to add to it or take away from it. There is but one truth, and that's in Jesus Christ. And in an age when you and I are pressured into doing everything in a politically correct manner, it would be offensive today to use such a language. I hope nobody's, well, I don't care if you are. I start to say, I hope nobody's looking at me that gets offended. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one Acts 2.38. There's one church. There's one glorious truth and one plan of salvation. When it comes to eternal salvation, we need some strong language. We don't need compromising language. Paul, in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 14 and 15, he said, No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, whoo, who are they? if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So it, it would not be surprising to some of those, oh, God loves you so much. Ooh, he's got a good thing for you. 
blah, 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 blah. Um, there, in Paul, to Paul, there was no room for compromise when it came to the gospel. And I say, how can you and I in this 21st century, how can we be, how can we not be as diligent and as committed as the apostle Paul? Paul literally, he literally said of these false teachers, these Judaizers, let them be damned. Let them be damned. In other words, condemned to an eternity without God. When, when, a man, when it comes to that which affects our eternal future, we must not allow anyone or anything to persuade us to accept anything but what thus saith the word of God. I know we run into people, we hear people we, that say, well, what about Grandma? What about Uncle Ed and, and Aunt Sally? What about them? They didn't believe it like this. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you and me. And whatever happens to Aunt Uncle Ed and Aunt Sally, that's up to God. And God will take care of that. But I'm talking to us. I'm talking, I'm responsible for you. You're responsible for you, for what you do or don't do. So Paul goes back in verse 9 to reiterate and emphasize, as we said before, I'm going to say it again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. That's strong, folks. That's strong. Down in the bottom paragraph on page 6, when while men may change and upgrade the Bible... The word of God remains the name, the same forever. Right. Forever, it's settled in heaven, the psalmist says. This verse emphasizes the awesome responsibility and authority that was placed upon the apostles as they established these churches in the truth. You remember Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Or whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And he gave unto Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He gave responsibility and authority to the apostles to establish his church. He said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. And it was for the perfecting of the church. What they said, what's recorded in this, in this book, I don't care how many revisions you get, how many kind of verse, uh, whatever, however they want to write it, this is it. Let's stick, with, let's stick with this edition. Let's stick with the King James Version, and we'll be better off in doing so. Now, they had to be speaking under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, uh, for they taught what they did teach became the law of the church. There would, be, there would be no meeting, if you will, of the general board next year to determine whether we're going to continue with the same message or the same rules. Next year, we might have some new rules, new rules. We talked sometime recently. There used to be a group of churches down in Tennessee. Might be different in other places too. But anyway, there used to be a group of churches in this one area they had her business meeting every year, and they voted on the pastor. And consequently, there's some of those pastors that pastored, and I don't know how many churches around there, because they got voted out of that one and into that one. And then they got voted out of that one and then got voted into that one. It's, we're, we're, we're flipping coins here. Where is he going to stay or not? You know, we're, it's, 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 we're taking a... Well, 
We're not changing, folks. MPC is one God, Jesus' name, baptism, the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, godly living, holiness in lifestyle and conduct and language. Amen. And we don't drink bud. Now, I know, I know we haven't changed in a hundred and how many years now. And we're not about to change in the next hundred and however many years. We're, we're, we're one God. We're one God. Now, I don't mean to get off track altogether here, but maybe one of the reasons we're talking here tonight, you know, something historic is going to take place tomorrow. Changes are going to take place tomorrow. And while we may predict, we don't know. But I can imagine, because of what we've heard them say very boldly and bluntly, things are going to change religiously. Liberties are going to be affected. And if I'm wrong, like three or four years from now, when the next election comes around, you can get me if I'm still around kicking very high, and you can say, Brother Walls, you made a mistake. You were a false prophet. But I don't think I'm a false prophet. Folks, if you ever got a hold of God, hold on to him. If you've ever been convinced this is truth, be convinced. Be, Be sold on it. Be convinced of it. There is only one way. Only one way. Only one Lord. Now, Paul went on to say in chapter 2 in in page 27, in verse 18, for if I build again, notice this, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Paul had been a very devout uh, law, law keeper. He had been raised at the feet of Gamaliel, the Jewish teacher, noted Jewish teacher, he, he, in fact, he said, I'm a Pharisee of the strictest sort. But he said, in essence, I gave that all up. And he said, in fact, I count it like dog feed. as dung. It's past. I'm glad I'm delivered from it. And if I go back to it and pick it up again, I'm making myself a, destroy, a, 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 a transgressor. I'm not going back. Of course, one God, Jesus' name, apostolic people is all I've known all of my life. I didn't come out of a Baptist church or a so-called Christian church or a Jehovah's Witness church. So I don't have that opportunity to say, here's what I used to be. But if you are one of those that said, I used to be such and such, but now I've come into the fullness of truth, stay here, folks. Don't go back. There's nothing to go back to. There's only one gospel. How can I return to that which I previously pronounced as being wrong and not place myself in the unenviable condition of being a transgressor? How can one become, how can one embrace this great apostolic message and even consider returning? to the religion they once embraced and which they turned their back on and embraced this great truth. I don't understand it. I know of churches that were apostolic for years and when the, the, the pastor grow, grows uh, old 
feel like he cannot uh, continue to be a pastor as he needs to be, a shepherd as he needed to be. I know of them that turned it over to their son or some near relative, and then that son comes in and turns things all around. No longer are we Jesus' name. No longer are we holiness. And they become charismatic in their lifestyle and in their message. I'm not a compromiser. I never want to be. I never plan to be. Paul tells, he tells these Galatians in chapter 3 and page 43, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Paul is saying to the Galatians, I was under the law. I was a keeper of the law. I was a very strict keeper and observer of the law, a Pharisee of the strictest sort. That's what I was. But he said what that law was all about was to teach us, to bring us unto Christ and to teach us what we need to be and what we need to uh, know. But then he, in verse 25 he says, but after that faith is come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. I've graduated. Paul said, I've graduated. The law had successfully fulfilled its purpose to introduce us to Christ. But now we've been exposed to Jesus Christ. We've been exposed to the church and the message that it proclaims. And we're not going back to where we were delivered from. In the book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 the Bible, it's not in my book here, except for the note I made. But the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. It's all in him. We don't need to go back to the law. We don't need to go back and observe the traditions and the customs of the law. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. In verse 28, page 44, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. But you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. Doesn't matter if you're black or white, red or yellow. Amen. Doesn't matter if you're whatever you may be, Jew or Gentile. It matters not. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you become one in Christ. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my family. Amen. Then uh, he, Paul goes on in chapter 4 and deals, and all of these are, are tied together, if you will, intertwined. And all the way through the book of Galatians, when he starts in the Galatians chapter 1, and he says, I marvel you're so soon removed from him the cause and the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Right. He carries that that idea, that thought, that teaching all the way through his writing to the churches of Galatia. And, and then in verse 10 of chapter 4, page 53, uh, Paul said to them, you observe days and months and times and years. And Paul is saying, you shouldn't be doing that. That's what you used to do. The church, there's no such thing that we come together for Passover, that we come together for unleavened bread, that we come together for, uh, for whatever kind of, they had seven feasts during the year. We don't need those feasts. We have found the feast of feasts. 
Amen. We've found the bread of life, Jesus Christ. We've found the glory and the power. We don't need to go back to the traditions of the elders. Now, Paul is here speaking of various special feast days, probably, of the Jews that they observed. And there's certainly nothing wrong, thank the Lord. I had a birthday, as you know, just a while ago, a couple, three days ago. And I got, I got some nice cards. I think I'm going to eat something special after a while. And, and anyway, and, and we went out to observe and celebrate uh, Brother David and my, because he was born the day after. Well, <laughs> yeah, he was born the day after me. And then we... <laughs> We, we went out to, to, to celebrate meeting, meeting the kids up north, those northerners, met them uh, halfway, and we had a get-together. And Anyway, and I went to pay my bill, and one of them, those nice folks, those, you know, those nice Bingham folks, they paid for my meal. So, look, I'm, woo, if I could have a birthday next week, no telling what would happen, but... but. There's nothing wrong with birthdays and anniversaries and uh, good suppers and, and, and so on and so forth. Paul's not talking about that. He's talking about those customs, those traditions, those things that have become encrusted by the elders who had changed things so around Jewish traditions, Jewish traditions. Now, now, now you can believe what you want to believe about. You can drink your coffee. I don't want it. You can eat your tomatoes. I don't know how you stand it, but I don't want it. You know, and I, I've preached for preachers that didn't believe in drinking Coke or Pepsi. And I found out later he didn't even believe in eating chocolate cake. And I found out out in an embarrassing way. But anyway, there's people that, you know, they have all these, these different things. I don't think I, sh I felt like the Lord told me not to eat that kind of stuff or drink that kind. That's all right. But don't condemn me for drinking my whatever, Diet Coke <clears throat> or, or, or my iced tea. You know, don't, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But when you tell me, oh, I don't need to go there. But when you tell me I've got to go back and pick up some of these old customs of the Jews, I'm not going there. I've got a new life. I've got a church family. I've got the blessings of the Lord. I don't need these traditions and, and rituals and customs and whatever. And, and I think what they're doing is they're taking away from the reality and the richness and the blessings of what we have in the church. When we look, let's quit looking back. Let's quit look. I'm, I'm going to hurry here. Let me go to chapter 5 and verse 1. So Paul, he comes close to the end of his writings and he says this to the, to the Galatians. He says this to the Medorians, the Medorites. He says, stand fast, MPC. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Well, the bondage of the law and the traditions of the elders and whatever, if you picked up sticks on the seventh day, you got stoned to death, providing who you are and when you were. But that was the custom tradition. You got to be circumcised or you can't be in fellowship. 
And then he asks them in verse 7 of page 67, you did run well, Galatians, but who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? It's not how far you've run, how fast you've run, it's how you run. And if you're still running, that really matters. We're not going to stop running. We're not going to stop believing this great truth. Amen? The prophet Ezekiel spoke of what happens when a righteous man turns from his righteousness. In chapter 3, verse 20, you'll see on page 67. Again, when the righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sins, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered but his blood will I require at thine hand. God, I don't want you to forget what I did last year. I don't want you to forget the first 50 years, the first 60 years that I served the Lord. I don't want it all to go down the tubes. I want to be faithful the last week the last day, the last minute, the last second. I want, to, I want to leave breathing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So Paul tells us in verse 7, page 86, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So the law of God that surpasses any given period of time, our dispensation is that whatever sows, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. It may not be the day after, but we're going to reap it. It was Solomon that says the eyes of the Lord are in every place. In verse 8, Paul says, he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit of the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life life everlasting let's make sure we're sowing righteous seed for the reaping and then in conclusion here in verse 9 of page 87 verse 9 paul says but let us not be weary this is chapter 6 let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not hold on church hold on to truth church let's take paul's words to to our heart and committed to our lives to make sure we're not going to change we're going to stick with the gospel not another gospel but the gospel that which saved us that which changed us that which brought us into the fellowship and the family of god I'm glad I'm in the church. I'm glad I'm in the church. And I'm not saying that boastfully except with a godly boast, a godly ego, if you will. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his truth. Thank God that we're in the family of God. Would to God that somehow we could reach out to friends and family members and neighbors in our community and, and somehow pull them into this great, wonderful and great truth. I know that some of them, at least many of them, are going to a church. We're not condemning them for going to that church. We just like to say, friend, there's something else. 
There's something else for you. There's something else that you need. There's something else you can have. There's some other experience that's much fuller, richer, and more glorious if you will only come and taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Let's stand and praise him tonight for a little bit. God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your message. Thank you for the truth. Oh, God, that in you, oh, Lord, is life and salvation and hope. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.